CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Well, hello once again. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. This is Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash, a certified financial planner and CPA at Donald W. Cash and Associates. What's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm Mark. I'm good. How are you? I'm rocking and rolling, hanging in there. Spring is on the way, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we're yet another couple of weeks closer. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, the, the the kids are over. The sickness is in the house. Everyone's looking to spend more time outside, maybe mm-hmm. shooting some hoops and playing a little golf. And uh, it's nice that the um, the trees are starting to bud. The flowers are starting to bud a little bit. So it makes you feel good. Yeah. The days are a little bit longer. That's always nice. <laughs> Those, Absolutely. The sun, the sun doesn't go away at like 445 any longer, you know, or, or five o'clock right on the nose. So that's always good. That uh, is the worst when that oh, happens. Oh, man. I tell you, it's rough. When, and it just makes you just feel like you're just like the day is just over before it begins sometimes. But mm-hmm. Anyway, let's get into our topic this week, Don. Last month, we talked about the SECURE Act and changes to the IRA uh, and the 401k rules. And you mentioned uh, about changes to the rules surrounding the inherited IRAs. So let's talk a little bit more about how the law change has affected us uh, or will affect us. Yeah, Mark, there were big changes in the new law that relates to the inherited IRAs, and that's via this SECURE Act that was passed the last week of December. And, you know, many people, I find it's interesting, they don't have a lot of experience dealing with inherited IRAs today from a a beneficiary standpoint. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about why this is, and it makes perfect sense. You see, IRAs were started in 1975, okay, and 401k is a year before 1974. So if you're a baby boomer, let's say you were born between 1946 and 1964, your parents were likely born, you know, sometime between, let's say, 1920 and 1940, right? Right. So maybe they were uh, a little after World War I and a little before World War II. So in 1975, your parents were in their 50s or 60s, and many people in that age range had pensions and perhaps added a small amount to their IRAs until they stopped working. So by the time they passed away, there wasn't a whole lot in these IRAs to pass on to their baby boomer kids. So any baby boomers now that have inherited IRAs, Mark, they often have a modest amount, but that I think is about to change Big time. Okay. Uh, most people today don't have pensions, unlike their parents from prior generations. And there's over $20 trillion in retirement plans. So, trillion, Mark, that's a, with a T, not yeah. B. <laughs> right. The thousand billion. Yeah. It's hard to imagine. So, those dollars have never been taxed. The government wants its share. And there's a conflict, right? You want the IRA for your needs. The government wants it for their needs. So what does that mean? So for example, if you have two or three kids, the largest beneficiary of the IRA may not be your kids. It may be the IRS. Yeah. You know, I never really thought about it that way. So what has changed within the new law? Well, let's discuss the rules for inherited IRAs prior to January 1st of this year. Okay. 
and the new rule in effect as of January 1st, 2020. The reason that's important, other than background information, is that many people are grandfathered into the old rule. So I'll illustrate with an example. Let's see a dad who was a widow died in 2015, so about five years ago, leaving a $500,000 IRA to his son, who's age 50, named as the only beneficiary. The son needs to take out a percentage each year of that inherited IRA based upon his single life expectancy table of 34 years. So it's about 3% of the balance. It's called the RMD or the required minimum distribution for an inherited IRA. So you're with me so far? I'm with you so far. All right. Okay, Mark, can you believe that the IRS has three life expectancy tables? Nah. Don't get don't get it wrong, Mark. There could be a 50% penalty. Wow. I know it's crazy. Yeah. So in this case, if all of the paperwork to set up the inherited IRA, transfer dad's balance, take dad's last IRA required distribution after he died, and fund the inherited IRA. If all of that is done right, the son would be required to take out about $15,000 from the $500,000 balance the year after dad died. The advantage, if it's done right, the son would have inherited a $500,000 asset and only $15,000 of the income is added to his tax return the year after dad dies, not the entire $500,000 balance. So if all the planning was done properly, then the account balance could grow tax deferred for the life of the son with the required distribution each year, which is only a small portion of the IRA balance, which is taxed each year. This mark was called the stretch IRA, and it's a very powerful planning technique. So how many people do you think messed up one of the steps in this process? (laughs) Based on that information, probably quite a few, I'd imagine. You know what? It is quite a few. And one wrong move, and you get stuck with big taxes and perhaps big penalties, which could still be the case with the new law. So here's the new rule. Same scenarios before, except dad dies January 10th of this year. This is where it gets weird. The son, who's 50 years old, has no annual required minimum distribution. That's right. So like before, if all the paperwork is done correctly to set up the inherited IRA, transfer dad's balance, take dad's last IRA required distribution if he hadn't taken it earlier Mm -hmm. and fund the inherited IRA. If all that is done right, the son would be required to take out in the first year of a $500,000 balance exactly zero. Okay. So wait, under the new rule, the son does not need to take an annual required minimum distribution every year, but he can uh, take money out if he wants to. So the new rule sounds better. There's got to be a catch. Yeah, it does sound better, and it's a great observation, great question. Okay. Here's the catch. Okay, remember in the first example with the old law, the son had a required 
annual distribution each year Mm -hmm. based on his IRS single life expectancy of 34 years, and he could let the account grow and defer for the rest of his life. Remember that? Right. Well, now the son does not have an annual required minimum distribution. What he is required to do is to totally empty the inherited IRA and pay all of the taxes due by the 10th year after dad died. Now, this, Mark, I think is a potential giant mess. If the IRA starts at $500,000, think about this. It could grow to a million dollars in 10 years. If it's cashed out then, if it's emptied out, zeroed out at that point, the entire $1 million is added to the son's taxable income after that 10th year. Now, don't get me wrong. It's still nice to have a million dollars. Who wouldn't want to do that? Sure. Yeah. But this is going to require a lot of planning over that 10-year period after a person inherits a substantial amount of that IRA. Because if that $1 million is added to his taxable income in that year, he has to pay all of the taxes due on that money. Now, Mark, because the IRS cares so much about us <laughs> and wants to make our life as easy as possible, uh-huh. the new 10-year rule does not apply to all beneficiaries. There are five classes of what they call eligible designated beneficiaries who are exempt from this 10-year rule, and they fall under the old rule. And here are the five classes, surviving spouses, minor children, disabled people, chronically ill individuals, and beneficiaries not more than 10 years younger than the IRA owner. You can think of siblings and such. Wow. (laughs) And all of those categories have their own definitions. Yeah, definitely complicated. I know when we talked about it before, we we mentioned some of the things, and obviously this is a much more in-depth breakdown. Uh, Anything else uh, hiding in here related to this change we should go over? A couple things. One that stands out is if anyone had listed a trust Mm -hmm. as the IRA beneficiary, they must get back to their estate planning attorney to review their documents. Most trusts have so-called conduit features to address the former required minimum distribution. But as I mentioned, there is no annual required minimum distribution for inherited IRAs. And many of these trusts are for children with unique issues like addictions, special health needs, high-risk occupations, maybe they're in a bad marriage. Many of these trusts will need to be redone. But here's the bottom line. Every time there's a change, there often is a planning opportunity to deal with that change. We just need to understand the rules, think it through, and plan around the changes. There are definite threats and risks out there that can hurt our families. We just need to create a plan and a shield to shield what's important to us. 
Yeah, and we, as always, we'll put up some information here on the podcast because it, there is a lot of data in there. And we've talked about this for really a number of episodes now about the changes that were coming on, along. And so we'll put up some more information on that. So if you got questions or concerns, as always, you can check that out on the podcast. But also, don't forget, you can also just call Don and talk to him. Get yourself on the, to the calendar to have a chat and go through that uh, process that way as well. And you can reach out to him at 800-664-1183. That's 800-664-1183. 1183 if you've got questions about the stretch or the elimination of the stretch IRA. He's a CPA and a CFP, and it's time for our cash connection. So if you want to send an email to the show and get your question answered on the program, just send it to donaldcash.com. All right, Jerry in Monroe has got a question for you. He says, I keep hearing that Roth IRAs are better than traditional IRAs because they're tax-free. I'm confused by the contribution limits and Roth conversion rules. My information is I'm 62, married, and still working and earn about 150000 a year, but my wife did retire two years ago. Thoughts, Don? Well, you know, thanks, Jerry. This is an excellent, excellent question. There's a lot of confusion uh, surrounding the Roth IRA rules. Uh, a little primer on the rules, though. Uh, the traditional IRA is tax-deferred, right? You get the deduction now on a traditional IRA, but you pay the tax later. There's income limits to contribute to the traditional IRA. Really depends also on the plan that you have at work. He may be able to contribute, and we really need more information on that. But the maximum, if he can contribute, is seven thousand dollars per year since he's over age fifty. His wife can too. Uh, it's six thousand dollars a year if you're under fifty. With the Roth IRA. There's no tax deduction up front, but the account is never taxed. You need to hold it, though, for five years for the whole account value not to be taxed when you take the money out. Also, like the traditional IRA, there are income limits to contribute with the same $7,000 contribution limit. And with the change in the SECURE Act that we discussed in the last question, you can continue to contribute to both the traditional IRA or the Roth IRA after age 72, if you have income. So that's for contributions. For conversions, this is where a lot of the questions come up as well, Mark. There's no income limit. Let me say that again. So if someone wants to convert their traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, there's no income limit to do that. The IRA, the IRS, I should say, changed this rule about 10 years ago or so. So take advantage of it while you can, because we don't know how long this is going to last. And how you convert, a couple of steps. One, you move the IRA funds, transfer them to the Roth IRA. It's not an all or nothing proposition. So if someone has $100,000 in their traditional IRA, they can contribute a portion of that, let's say $10,000 or $20,000 at a time into the Roth IRA and partial conversions are okay. You just pay the tax on the amount that you convert and keep in mind that tax rates now are at historic lows at least until the year 2025. 
when the tax codes scheduled to change back into the higher rates that we had a few years ago. So to recap, the benefits of the Roth IRA, there's no required minimum distribution ever for the owner. All of the funds in there grow tax-free. There's also no tax for the heirs who are inheriting the Roth IRA. And as we discussed earlier with a new rule, there's no required minimum distribution for the heirs who inherit a Roth IRA after this year or after January 1st of this year. Heirs do need to take out all of the balance, as we discussed earlier, after 10 years, but all that money is tax-free. Well, there's a lot of information in this. What does it look like for clients, Don, to work with you on this you know, Roth IRA opportunity? Well, when we look at Roth conversions with clients, what we do is uh, take a look at uh, your income need, uh, your income sources, right? Whether it's pensions, mm-hmm. social security, other income, your tax bracket, making sure that we don't convert too much at a time to push you into a category where you're at a higher tax bracket, or maybe you get pushed into a category where you're paying excess Medicare penalties. We also take a look at, of course, your objectives, your family needs, and look at the pros and cons of the Roth conversion from a high level and also obviously help with the actual conversion. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's situation is different. So they have been very, obviously, it's been a hot button issue. People have been asking questions about these for a while now. And of course, the SECURE Act uh, to our conversation today has lent to that even more. So if you do have questions, again, before you take action, always check with a qualified professional like Don. Just call him at 800-664-1183. I think there's a lot of complicated stuff in there. So you want to make sure that you're doing the right steps. And as he said, there's a little pros and cons for each person's situation. So go through that process with your advisor or reach out to Don again at 800-664-1183. All right, my friend, let's finish off with a little getting to know you as we usually do here on the podcast. Um, You are a Jersey boy. So what is special about the place you grew up? Well, you know, I'm thinking about that question. I'm not sure if it's so special or or unique. I think it was pretty common for uh, the kind of town that people grew up in at that point in time. Okay, I grew up in a small town, as you mentioned, in Jersey called Roselle. It's about 15 minutes from Newark Airport. So if you've been to Newark, you kind of get an idea of what it's like in that area. So at that time, it was a, a very much a working class town, a lot of commuters to New York City. I think they're it's still that way because of the proximity to New York. Uh, there were lots of kids in the neighborhood. It wasn't unusual for families to have five or six or seven kids. So the neighborhood was filled with kids. Mom stayed at home largely at that time. It's probably not much different than, like I said, any other town in that time period. It was, um, as I think back, simple life. No one was rich, that's for sure. Or as I can think, really, no one was really poor. But you kind of got by. Let's put it that way. Right. I'm assuming, you know, it's probably not much different than the town you grew up in, right? That sounds about right. You know, we had good values and, you know, they taught us hard work and discipline. It seems like everyone when we're teenagers or even younger had paper routes and jobs and things like that. (laughs) So, you know, back then, you know, it's interesting compared to the way my kids, we didn't really know as much about how other people lived in the world. 
you know, obviously there were no smartphones and computers <laughs> right, right. and things like that. So, you know, the only thing we learned is what we saw on TV and we thought uh, other people maybe in California live like the Brady Bunch or something like that, but <laughs> wasn't, we didn't live that way. That's right. So maybe it was a good thing. You know, parents were not as hung up on getting their kids into the best college or buying more and more stuff. But, um, you know, we spent a lot of time together and from time to time, I, you know, I drive through my old neighborhood every once in a while not too far from where I live now. It's maybe 45 minutes. So um, what I did notice, what I do notice when I drive by there is everything seems so small. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you're a kid, it's your whole world, but, uh, you know, everything just seems seems like it's uh, it's tidy. I think I could fit five houses on my property that <laughs> from the neighborhood I grew up in. I don't have an extraordinary large property, but, you know, I, when I think back, I, I do like where I grew up. That's cool. Yeah, I think we a lot of us never, you know feel that way. Uh, yeah, I grew up in in uh, rural, uh, or, eh, yeah, rural Indiana, so fairly you know pretty mid midwestern and and uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. You go back through sometimes and you're like, wow, this place looks small. <laughs> and maybe it's just because the world's gotten so big. Maybe maybe that's part of it. Who knows? Yeah, I think and, and we've gotten big, right? <laughs> that's true too. That's true too. Well, there you go. Well, that's our podcast this week. Your money in your life here with Don Cash. Uh, hopefully, you've uh, picked up a useful nugget of information. Again, we talked quite a bit about uh, the stretch IRA, the elimination, the changes to the rules. A lot of different things have been happening. So if you've got questions, you know what to do at this point. Reach out to Don and his team, and they'll start talking with you. 800-664-1183. As always, subscribe to the podcast on Google, Apple, Spotify, whatever platform of choice you like. You can simply type in your money in your life and search those on those podcasting platforms. Or you can find it on Don's website. He also sends out the newsletters and emails. So lots of ways you can connect and we appreciate you we'll see you next time here on your money in your life don thanks for your time bud be well mark we'll see you next time right here on the program folks investment advisory services offered through donald w cash and associates llc a registered investment advisor in the state of new jersey